The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, all the vote rockers who are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who's on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us here on Tuesday morning, and uh, boy, we're ramping up, I guess, for something uh, possibly big here in the United States. Um, maybe something like we haven't ever seen before. I don't know. Um, we'll we'll talk about that in this hour, along with a few other things. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. Um, go over to SonsOfLibertyRadio.com or sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com, you can check out the articles we have there every day. Uh, myself, Bradley, and other contributors who um, support the Sons of Liberty Media with their writing that we appreciate very much and we like to share with you. Also, be sure to check out our new Telegram. Okay, um, Join us on Telegram. You guys, if you like the fellowship that you have in the chat room, you guys can join us on that. You guys on the radio, you may want to get in touch with some of these other people of like mind who are in the chat rooms. You can join us on Telegram. And I have, for those in the chat rooms, if you scroll up, you should see that uh, link for Telegram. You'll have to pick up the app for your phone or whatever. It's interesting, too, because you can use this for uh, calls as well. Um, in fact, uh, Kate and I communicate that way when we need to, because I can't call international. <laughs> and so it's it's inexpensive, it's encrypted, and um, it's, it's very useful for sharing information in uh, groups, especially the Sons of Liberty media group that we have on Telegram. So do that. While you're over at Sons of Liberty Media, if you're able to help us, we you let you know the need that we have. There's a donate button right at the top of the page. Please click on that if you want to make a donation to us. You can also partner with us as a son or daughter of Liberty. Uh, also at the top of the page, and that's a monthly donation. You can just set it up, and it automatically happens every month. And then our store is available as well. You like some of the T-shirts you see we wear. You Maybe you've seen the dog tags that we've got, uh, the coffee mugs, the water bottles, the other items that we have there. They're, they're meant to be conversation starters. Um, <clears throat> so there, there's what uh, 
uh, you can you can pick up in our store. Also, while you're there, click on the email here and subscribe to us. Uh, we send you one email. We don't spam you. We don't rent this list out. We don't give it away. You get one email a night, and it tells you the articles that we have for the day. And then if you're wanting, if you're listening by Red State Talk Radio, if you go over to sonslibertymedia.com, you can also click on to the video portion of the radio show. That's right. You can see the faces made for radio right here on the right side of the page. Uh, additionally, you can check us out on our Twitter account at BradleyDean1. We're streaming live there as well as per- uh, Periscope, Twitch, uh, on Setting Brush Fires. Our Facebook page, Bradley Dean SOL. YouTube channel is Bradley Dean. Beforeitsnews.com or right there on the front page as well. DLive.tv at The Sons of Liberty and also Cutting Edge TV on Roku. All right, that's all the formalities out of the way. I know some people say, can you just get on with it? Well, we we like to let you know that we do have needs and we do have outlets that you can go to. But if you ever find us off of one of the, your favorite platforms that we're on, you can find us at sonslibertymedia.com. Okay? All right? Real, real easy, real simple, real quick. All right. So yesterday we had Scott on, Scott Adams from The Scott Adams Show. And I'm glad to see some of the feedback that I got. Because Scott helped make the point that I wanted to make with what we were doing. In fact, a friend of mine, he was sending me something really late last night. We had some back and forth. And... Um, he sent me some stuff, and he goes, oh, this makes all this. We were talking about some things about Lynn Wood, um, specifically with reference to what some of his uh, associates had said concerning his claim that he could be the second coming of Jesus Christ. Um, just some weird stuff. Some of the profanity that comes out of his mouth, at, which he admitted to and you know apologized for. But uh, he says... Oh, now this makes all this morning's show makes that much more sense. And I said, Yeah. And so some people get it, some people don't. Some people it takes a little bit more time, and that's fine. Um, I posted something this uh, this morning um, because people say, Why do you do what you do? Why do you keep putting out the stuff? Why do you endure some of the attacks that you get or the threats or whatever the case may be? Well, as Paul says, we endure all things for the sake of the elect, right? That's that's one of the things that we do. And it hasn't come to the point, uh, as the writer of the book of Hebrews says, where we've shed our blood. So it's it's not that bad, okay? To get called a few names is not a big deal. It really isn't. Um, so we do that. But the thing is not to try to wake all the quote-unquote sheep up. It's just to stir a few lions, Okay. It's not to wake all the sheep up, it's to stir up a few lions. Because God in the past has always used a minority of people to accomplish his purposes. He always has. All right? Now, with that said, I got a couple of things I want to give you, at least one thing, before I get into some of the stuff on January the 6th and the Constitution here. Okay? Uh, one is from the uh, the... Uh, the radio show I did on Saturday. Remember the lady who went into the hospital there in the UK? We're trying to get her on the radio show. Uh, Kate's working with us to try to get her on the radio show. But her, um, she decided to speak out about it, about her arrest. Now, her name is Debbie Hicks. If you've not seen it yet, 
You can go to sonslibertymedia.com. UK woman arrested for debunking COVID narrative by filming an empty hospital speaks out. I want to give a few minutes here to Debbie as to what's going on there, because this is very important. I want to show you this. This is taking place tomorrow. Now is the time to stand for your freedom, make your voice heard, or remain in lockdown until you're vaccinated and dead, I might add. Um, there is a Telegram link there that you can um, join in, protest everywhere. Parliament, Wednesday, 6th of January, 12 midday, the time the national lockdown legislation is being debated and voted upon by our MPs. And uh, Kate had written me this morning and said the new that new bill is uh, there and... It's ready for removing all of us by force from our homes. So it's a it's a pretty serious thing that's going on. And uh, Miss Hicks, in my opinion, uh, is very much like Kate in the fact that she has stepped out there. She went into an empty hospital. She videoed it while they're giving the lies that all the, they're they're filled to maximum capacity. All of this kind of stuff, just like they were doing back in the in the spring. Okay, and this is Miss Hicks' recounting of what she's had to face since then. Okay, good afternoon, everybody. So it's uh, it's Saturday, the second of January, twenty twenty one. Feels feels weird to say that, doesn't it? It really does. So I want to just summarise as briefly as possible what's happening at the moment. As you all know, I was arrested on uh, Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday, the um, the 28th of December. And I was arrested on suspicion of a public order offence for filming in a hospital in Gloucester Royal Hospital. Um, as you know, you can see the footage. My husband managed to switch his camera on as I was arrested in my own home. It was a, a day where we had a late night. I was in bed rather late in the day. I wasn't dressed. There was a knock at the door um, uh, without without a warrant, uh, without presentation of a warrant at the least, um, as two male officers barged into my home and demanded to speak to me. And they demanded that I get out of bed. So when I got out of bed and got my dressing gown on, and as I made my way down the stairs, the, uh, the younger male officer, they were two very young male officers, um, moved towards me, said I was under arrest and slapped handcuffs on me uh, by twisting my hands behind my back. It was at this point um, that we demanded that I was uh, uh, be allowed to get dressed because I wasn't dressed and it was obviously freezing cold. Uh, it was getting dark because um, it was later in the day. Um, and that was the altercation that you could see on the stairs when I asked my husband to film was asking to get get dressed. So bear in mind, this is Christmas, um, this is in a family home, and my son was witness to all this. And what I want to say, actually, because this makes me really angry, um, is that the police completely jeopardised my son's welfare that day, because when that happened, uh, he was absolutely terrified that that was happening in his home to his mother. Um, so they uh, arrested me on suspicion of public order offence. They took me to Gloucestershire uh, constabulary uh, custody suite. Um, and I just want to talk as briefly as possible about what happened because there was some serious breaches of procedure 
and protocol during my detention. So I was held at Gloucestershire Constabulary uh, Office uh, custody suite for an hour. I was held in the holding bay. It's like a holding bay you go into before you go into the uh, into the custody suite. They held me in there for an hour with handcuffs on behind my back before I was read the charge. Um, and that is a, a breach of procedure. You're not supposed to be held that long with handcuffs. And when the handcuffs finally came off after much protest from myself that they were hurting, my hands had swept, swollen up really badly and I showed them and they ignored me. I said, I need medical attention. Um, was read out the charge, and I was charged with this public order offence for filming in a hospital and upsetting people, um, words, words to that effect. And at that point, after I'd refused to give medical information, because I, I, I refused to sort of answer any questions, I said that I didn't understand. Now, that was taken to mean I didn't, um, that was taken to be used uh, to suggest I was mentally ill. Now, at that point, because I had just said that I didn't understand the legal charge against me, there was clearly a preemptive decision that had been made before my uh, detention to try and pin mental health issues onto me, that I was mentally ill. And at that, that point, I was informed that I would need a responsible adult to come into the custody process with me and they tried to get my stuff. husband to do it but because my husband had my son um, they couldn't arrange that unluckily that didn't happen and what they did was they brought in a woman from a charity called I think it was CCP CGP please check out that charity because what they participated in that uh, that day was absolutely disgusting to bring in a responsible adult for someone that was not mentally ill completely disgusting. So check out those guys. So this woman was brought in. Um, and then I was put back in the cells. I was put back in the cells for, I don't know, a few hours where I had to keep protesting, ringing the bell to see the custody nurse. Finally got to see the custody nurse and I was told, and this is something worth noting, all the people in the movement that have had these awful handcuffs on. We've seen all the damage from other people, we've seen the marks, we've seen, you know, the implications of, is that these handcuffs are new and what they are designed to do, listen to this, what they're designed to do is dig into your nerves. They hand from the sides of your wrists and they dig into your nerves. And because I've got small hands, for me in particular, it was very painful because they were literally hanging off the, uh, off the sides of my, of my wrists. So finally got to see the nurse, uh, who's a lovely, he was probably the only one in there that showed me any humanity, um, which was lovely. Um, and then I was slammed back in the cells. About an hour later, I um, was told I had to go through an interview. At this point, I was unable to get any legal representation. The police make the phone calls on your behalf. You're not allowed to do any phone calls, which, again, that needs to be questioned because I, I understood you were allowed to, to make phone calls. And um, the lawyers that I suggested were inappropriate because these were protest lawyers and I needed a criminal lawyer. So I refused the duty solicitor because I felt that um, that would be inappropriate. I needed proper representation. And it's well known that, that duty solicitors work with the police. They're not impartial. And they still insisted on me going through a police interview. Before the police interview, I was told that I have to give a DNA sample. I obviously refused. And I was told if I don't give the sample, I would be held down and forced to do it. So just think about that for a moment. 
a woman with no criminal record, who is no threat to the public. I'm not a terrorist. I'm not a serious criminal. I haven't done anything to justify that kind of treatment. So think about why did they do that to me? A woman that's just filming an empty hospital, filming the truth, filming what's in front of her, to be held down and forced to give DNA, fingerprints, you know, mugshot photos. Think about why they would do that to me. So after that, I had the interview. They brought in this woman to act as my responsible adult. And just for a moment, think about how that made me feel. That really made me incredibly angry to, for it to be inferred, for it to be suggested that I'm mentally ill. Imagine how angry. And what I did was I repeatedly said in this interview um, that I won't answer questions because I don't have legal representation and I haven't had the opportunity to sort it out. And I repeatedly said that I did not consent to this woman being in the room and her name being put on my records when they had no evidence that I was mentally ill or um, incapable. And I said to them at that point, just because someone says they don't understand legal charges, that cannot be used to infer they're mentally ill. I repeated those statements. They knew that was on the audio recording that would end up at court. So they terminated the interview. About half an hour, an hour later, they released me uh, without charge at this point on bail. They presented bail papers in front of me um, and I immediately said I'm not going to sign them. And I immediately said I do not understand the, uh, the bail charges. At this point, again, they brought up the mental health issue card to play against me. And they said that they were going to try and get my husband. Listen to this. They were going to try and get my husband to sign my bail papers. I don't know quite what happened. I think they'd called him. Again, they'd called him without my consent, not checking how I wanted to get home. He'd pulled up in the in the car park and they had gone out in an unsolicited way, in an undocumented way, and, and told my husband, quote, we think your wife is mentally ill. And they said that in front of my 13-year-old son and tried to get him to sign the bail papers. They wanted him to come into the station to sign the bail papers. And luckily, because he, he had our son with us, he declined uh, or I don't know, he didn't go into the station. So they released me anyway, after not signing the bail papers. And they even said to me they were going to try and get my husband to do it, which I protested. at. I said, he doesn't answer for me. I make my own decisions. And they tried to get this appropriate adult to explain my charges to me. And I said at that point, well, is this woman even a lawyer? Why am I, am I going to talk to this woman? I'm not talking to this woman. They also told me on release that they'd be watching my house. And they claimed, which I strongly suspect is completely false, that my address had been released online and that I was, a, my family, not me, my family were at risk. And as you can imagine at this point, I become really angry and I said, how dare you? suggest it's about my family's welfare and safety when during my previous arrest for being protest you release my name and address my actual address in that interest i live in to the shroud news and journal newspaper mm -hmm. they then claimed um that i would be watched for my safety um and that they they were letting me go so they took me out to the car park on the way out to the car park the male officer tried to force um, bail papers onto my husband. 
and um, because I hadn't physically accepted the bail papers, there's obviously there's something isn't there in taking taking the bail papers. And um, as I got into the car, I could see what they were trying to do. And I was absolutely furious. I jumped out of the car again. I put my husband and said, no, we're not taking those bail papers. And I said to my husband, do not take the bail papers. Shut the windows and off we went. So a complete experience of psychological gaslighting, um, inappropriate procedures, assertions, defamation of character to suggest I'm mentally ill, based on no evidence at all. All right, I'm going to so, pause, I'm gonna pause go. uh, Debbie here, and uh, <clears throat> hopefully we can get her on. I'd love to hear, you know, what, what was driving her to go and to, well, I know what's driving her. She's one of these people who sees what's going on. <clears throat> she hears what's being said. She knows there's a disconnect. She knows the people are being played, and they're losing their liberties, and she goes out. On the behalf of everybody else who would see her video to show them the truth. So again, you say, <clears throat> why do some people do like what we're what we do? It's to show you the truth. And there's more to this than that. I, I wanted to lead up with that because it kind of fits in <clears throat> with what I see going on in the United States, too. Yeah, there's some states that have gone into these lockdown modes. They, the governors have been shut down on it by the courts, but the people haven't gone and enforced it. And folks, I'm telling you right now, this thing of sitting back and just saying, well, they told us we can't go out. They told us we can't go to church. They told us we got to wear a mask. That You're going to have to band together. You're going to have to encourage one another. That's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to start really loving your neighbor in this matter. You're going to have to encourage your neighbor to quit believing the lies. To quit living their life in fear of death. That's not life. That's not living. Jesus said he came to give us life and that more abundant. Does living in fear with a face diaper over your face sound like an abundant life to you? Hmm? No. And we aren't talking about persecution. Persecution, for Christ's sake, is one thing. This stuff that we're seeing now, <clears throat> this has nothing to do with persecution, for Christ's sake. This has to do with corralling the people into a control mechanism. All right? And I'm going to get to that in just a minute. One of the things I want to let you know is, I'm well aware of what the globalist, the elitist, the people who've gathered all the money, if you haven't done your research on that, the people who've gathered all, the, the enormous amount of wealth in the world, a very small number of people compared to the population, and then they've distributed it out through all kinds of foundations and everything else in order to bring what their view of the world ought to be into things, whether it's a corporation, whether it's a foundation, or whatever it is. And, and they're the ones doing it. I get that. You know what? We could put a stop to that real quick. It seems to me those people should be considered terrorists, should they not? And and what were, what were we told by our government about terrorists? You're either with us or you're with the terrorists. And yet, the people in office who have the means to deal with these terrorists against us, the people, don't do it. They don't declare 
the Rockefellers, the uh, the Bill Gates, the name your person. I'm trying to think of the other guy for a moment. Some of these people, they don't declare them as terrorists. They don't go send the Navy SEALs in to deal with those people, do they? Nope. Because in many cases, they're owned by them. And the people have let it happen. We get in fights over the dog bowls of the two puppets who, who are, are put up for us in D.C. And if you listened yesterday to the show, one of the things that you heard was, that Scott made mention of and that I totally agree with, instead of the march on D.C. tomorrow, which they're going, they're going, to, set, they're going to set you guys up. I, I'm just, I mean, in case you don't realize what's going on. Okay? And I'm not saying don't go. I'm not saying be scared of it. But the fact of the matter is you would do far better to stand in those states where you know massive voter fraud has gone on. To bullhorn the representatives until they hear what you say and then if they go against that, you need to seek their removal from office and charge them with crimes against the people as accomplices in all of this. And guys, this isn't about Donald Trump. It really isn't. The people who keep saying, we need to support Trump. We need to support... No, you need to support the Constitution. You need to support the law. Because sooner or later, it's going to be another name that's up there. And I don't even care if it's a Democrat. But the fact of the matter is, the law has to be upheld. That's what we have to support. And that's what I'm going to get to here in just a moment. Let me read you a few scriptures here. Because at the end of the show, I'm going to play a few minutes of Catherine Austin Fitz. And I hope it'll be an encouragement to you as well. Because everybody, I see people come in the chat room. I see people leave comments. Oh, it's the end times. It's the last days. You know, people have done that. They've said that for millennia. Okay, We are to be good soldiers. We are to fight a good fight of faith. We are to occupy until Christ comes, whenever that is. The fact of the matter is, you don't occupy by going, oh, there's nothing we can do. This is the way it is. No, my friends, that's not the proper perspective at all. Okay, And these are some prayers that we should be thinking about in the coming days. Psalm 141.10 Let the wicked fall into their own nets whilst that I would all escape. Proverbs 12.13 The wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips but the just shall come out of trouble. We've got... Um, Psalm 35, 8. Let destruction come upon him at unawares, and let his net that he hath hid catch himself into that very destruction. Let him fall. Can you imagine uh, this stuff with uh, uh, Bill Gates and what he's wanting to do? Put this operating system into your body via vaccines. Can, can you imagine that he gets in a room and God in his providence causes him to trip, to slip or something and get one of those vaccines in his own body. 
You see what I'm talking about? Let their, let their snares catch them and what they meant for us. Now, with that said, let me hit just a little bit on what's taking place tomorrow. Now, I showed you that in England, they're going to be doing a protest again. 12 midday. I don't know if I'll be able to cover it or not. We'll see. That's uh, 12 is five hours behind that. That's 7 o'clock. So that would be right after the radio show. I could theoretically push it on. And the last two nights, for whatever reason, I've been up at 3.30 in the morning. I just went ahead and took a bath and got started working and everything. So I could probably cover some of that if I can get some of the coverage to to restream. Um, So I'll see about doing that uh, as a continuation of the radio show. So that's going on. And tomorrow they're doing the count of the electoral votes. And as we had Scott on yesterday, we talked about what the Constitution says, uh, what the vice president is supposed to do, and how the people can influence that before it happens. Hey, thank you guys for those scriptures. I appreciate that. Um, Christ Soldier, Psalm 91.10, There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Yeah, I love Psalm 91, especially in the midst of this. Either God is our protector or he's not. And either his people demonstrate they actually believe that or they don't. Okay, so thank you for that. Appreciate that, guys. Um, okay, so we got, a, we got a new article out by my friend Publius Holda. And, um, you know, she's very concerned that the law isn't being followed. She's been very critical of Donald Trump, too. She supported him in the beginning. She's been very critical of him. But she wrote this, and she says, Remember, this is not about Donald Trump, and it's not. Keep your eye on the ball. The ball is the law. Okay? Here's what she had to say. Several years ago, I saw a movie on TV. The setting was Berlin, Germany, just after World War II. At the time, the Soviets were laying rolls of barbed wire on the ground to mark the border between East and West Berlin. The main characters were a young American woman and a young German man. He had gotten a law degree while Hitler was taking over Germany, but he never practiced law. She asked him why, and he said, the law disappeared. And that's what's going on in our country. The law the standard by which our government and those in government are to obey has disappeared. It really hasn't disappeared. The obedience to it has disappeared. The law still remains. And what do they want to do? They want to put us in a feudal system. They want to enslave the people. The reality, though, is those in our government who are being used to enslave us are enslaved themselves. They're being enslaved themselves. So, what does she say? Well, this piece, which you can read at sonslibertymedia.com, what the Constitution requires Congress to do on January 6th, she goes through it. And I'm going to share this with you uh, this morning, then we'll finish off with Catherine Austin Fitz for a few minutes. When it meets on January 6th, Congress must enforce these constitutional provisions respecting the appointment of electors. Article 1, Section 4, Clause 1. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2. And Article 2, Section 1, Clause 4. She writes, Article 1, 
Section 4, Clause 1, says that only state and federal legislatures have the power to make laws addressing the times, places, and manner of conducting federal elections. So judges and state executive officials have no lawful authority to change the election laws made by the legislatures. Amen. They don't. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 says the electors for president and vice president are to be appointed in such manner as the state legislatures shall direct. So judges and state executive officials have no lawful authority to change the election laws respecting how the electors are chosen. See, this is the argument from the Texas thing. And they, they really have a standing because... Even though the Supreme Court says they don't, that's probably because they don't have individuals bringing it. Uh, they're having the state do it itself. But the states themselves have a standing here because they're tied in a compact under the U.S. Constitution. And if other states are not obeying this right here, then they have, they have some beef here. They, they, they got a problem with what's going on because everybody's not submitting to the standard, which is the law. So PH says, so electors who were appointed in violation of these two provisions were unlawfully appointed and hence are not legally competent to cast votes for president and vice president. That's exactly it. She goes on. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 4 provides that Congress may determine the time of choosing the electors at 3 U.S.C. 1. Congress set the time for choosing electors for November the 3rd. So electors who were appointed after November 3rd by means of late ballots, which was made possible by unconstitutional changes to state election laws, which unlawfully extended the deadlines for receiving ballots past November 3rd, were unlawfully appointed and hence are not legally competent to cast votes for president and vice president. Congress must also enforce these constitutional provisions respecting the qualifications for the offices of president and vice president. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 5. It sets forth qualifications for the office of president. After our first generation of presidents, who were all born as subjects of the King of England, had passed away, the qualifications for president are that he must be a natural-born citizen. And boy, have I written on that subject on both Democrats and Republicans. Whether it was Barack Hussein Obama, Satora Sabarka, Anchor Baby, Marco Rubio, or Ted Cruz, who's not a natural-born citizen, no matter how much you might like him. He must be a natural-born citizen at least 35 years of age and have been for at least 14 years a resident within the United States. The last sentence of the 12th Amendment shows that no person who is ineligible to be president is eligible to be vice president Hello, Kamala Harris. The 22nd Amendment. The 22nd Amendment imposes term limits on the office of president. So any president who has already served two terms is constitutionally ineligible to be president. Section 3, uh, excuse me, yeah, Section 3 of the uh, 20th Amendment addresses what happens when the president-elect and or vice president-elect fail to qualify. It underlines Article 2, Section 1, Clause 5, the last sentence of the 12th Amendment and the 22nd Amendment. If the president-elect or the vice president-elect fail to qualify, they are to be passed over. 
So the constitutional scheme is the elector's choice is subject to Congress's determination of whether the requirements of Article 1, Section 4, Clause 1, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, and Article 2, Section 1, Clause 4 were obeyed when the electors were selected and whether the persons whom the electors chose meet the requirements of Article 2, Section 1, Clause 5. The last sentence of the 12th Amendment and the term limits provision of the 22nd Amendment. If not, Congress must disqualify the persons. They're also bound by these constitutional provisions. The Guarantee Clause of Article 4, Section 4, which says, The United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a republican form of government, not a democracy, And it doesn't mean the Republican Party. It means there are laws in place that govern the mob as well as the minority, the native as well as the foreigner, the representative as much as the citizen. Since the essence of a republic is that power is exercised by representatives elected by the people, the violations of Article 1, Section 4, Clause 1, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, and Article 2, Section 1, Clause 4, which made massive election fraud possible, strike at the heart of our constitutional republic. She goes on. When electors are selected in violation of our Constitution by means of last-minute changes unlawfully made to state election laws and or election is stolen by means of fraud, the right of the people to choose their representatives is taken away from them and the republic is destroyed. She says, Article 4, Section 4 imposes on Congress the duty to guarantee lawful and honest federal elections Congress can do this by enforcing Article 1, Section 4, Clause 1, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, and Article 2, Section 1, Clause 4 by disqualifying the electors chosen in contravention of those provisions. Congress may and should also disqualify Biden and Harris on the additional ground that their pretended election was procured by cheating. They must be stripped of their sham win. Now, she brings in, PH brings in the supremacy clause here. Article 6, clause 2, which says, This Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, shall be the supreme law of the land. Only those acts of Congress which are consistent with the Constitution are part of the supreme law of the land. Accordingly, sections 5 and 15 of the Electoral Count Act are unconstitutional to the extent they purport to require Congress to accept slates of electors who were appointed in violation of said articles, section, and clauses, I'm not going to say them all again, that we mentioned prior, those three. They require Congress in the case of dueling slates of electors to choose the slate signed by the governor of the state and reject the slate approved by the state legislature and eliminate the 12th Amendment's dispute resolution procedures under which the House of Representatives chooses 
the president. Okay? And the Senate chooses the vice president. But contrary to what some have asserted, the 12th Amendment most manifestly does not vest exclusive authority and sole discretion in the president of the Senate, which is Mike Pence, to determine which slates of electors for a state are to be counted and which slates are to be rejected. As president of the Senate, the vice president has certain parliamentary powers at his disposal, but he has no discretion in deciding whether he will adhere to the constitutional framework governing the election. He and every other member of Congress must adhere to and enforce each constitutional provision. Okay? So, she comes to a conclusion here. The oath of office of Article 6, Clause 3. Every member of Congress is bound by oath or affirmation to support our Constitution on January 6th. You must lay aside all personal considerations, do your duty as set forth in the Constitution, and remember, this isn't about Trump. That's exactly right. It's not about Trump. This is about whether our republic is to survive. If you permit violations of the Constitution and the resulting fraud to prevail, you will destroy our republic. Look, they've been doing it for a long time. This is what we talk about on the show. This is why it doesn't matter if it's a Democrat or Republican in office. The message stays the same. Why? Because the foundation is the law. This is what we point to here. We don't point to anything else. We point to the law. And this is the point. Uh, Look, I've had people tell me, well, Tim, you guys' show probably will really take a boost if Biden gets in there. This isn't about a show for entertainment purposes and boosting. This is about the law. This is about justice. And what does Bradley say all the time? Justice guards our liberty. Guys, if we don't have law and justice here, we're not going to experience any liberty here. We're just not going to do it. We're going to experience more and more tyranny. That's what we're going to experience. Now, I don't know about you, I prefer to experience liberty and peace in that liberty, if at all possible. Now, with that said, there's more going on here than just this. We have seen an exponential amount of spending under this administration and in this Congress. Especially this year. Oh, well, it's COVID. Well, you give all the excuses you want to give. Okay? Give all the excuses you want to give to defend whatever political jersey you're behind, okay? All of that spending is just as criminal as not following what PH outlined here for the electors. It's just as criminal. It's just as a violation of the law, and it's just as much destroying the republic we live in. Just as much. Why? Because none of it's authorized in the Constitution. I did a couple of shows bringing that about with this whole COVID relief nonsense. Same stuff. It's the same thing, same violations. Now, with that said, look at how things are are happening. Bradley touched on this on his show a little bit yesterday. But look at what's happening. People are being put in lockdown. Businesses are being shuttered. Some of them are closing for good forever. Okay, not coming back. Meanwhile, big business, big corporations are thriving. The billionaires are getting richer. The people are getting poorer. 
Okay? You're, you're seeing the erosion of the middle class, if you will. And people move in and out of the middle class all the time. Okay? You're seeing the vaccines being pushed out by our government, with our money, unconstitutionally, all of it. And you know what? Donald Trump owns that. He does own it. He needs every, every credit for all of that vaccine and all of the billions of dollars that's being spent and the military being used unconstitutionally to deliver it and all the adverse effects that come with them. He deserves every bit of credit for it. Yep, you got it. Then there's the banking system that comes along with it. And all of it's coming together, 5G being installed, and everybody's got everything compartmentalized and spread out everywhere. But when you bring it all together, you start to see there's a control mechanism there. Now, this is where I want to end. This is what Catherine Austin Fitz was speaking about in this brief interview. And I'm, I'm going to play as much as I can till the end of the show. And she's going to get into that, but she's going to give you hope. Okay? So here it comes. I'm going to catch it uh, somewhere right where I, where I want to be. Okay? And uh, just, just go with me on this. They view, you have two different visions of the world. My vision of the world is that humans are sovereign individuals whose freedom comes by divine authority. That is what the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution all revolve around. The image of a, of a sovereign individual as, as someone um, who is free by divine authority. In the vision of technocracy, a human is a natural resource like a oil deposit and to be used as such. So they're not a sovereign individual, they're labor, and they are either more efficient or less efficient than a robot at different functions. In other words, what I'm saying is Mr. Global views the human race like livestock, not someone with which they share empathy and, you know, they don't view us as the same species as them. And in fact, with a lot of the biotechnology, they figure they're going to live much longer lives than we do and live very differently than we do. So there's been a real, one of the, one of the challenges with the secrecy as one group becomes more and more technologically advanced, they separate culturally, legally, financially from all the other groups. In other words, they have literally broken away and created a separate civilization. They don't think of themselves as part of our civilization anymore. And who is they? Well, that's the great mystery, and that's why I call this group Mr. Global. And I, you know, my personal experiences with many different people in that group and factions, but ultimately I can't tell you who really controls. What I will tell you is the planet is run by force. And so ultimately the question is who is the who is the most powerful gun? And that comes down to space. Who has the most powerful space presence, space weapons, as well as who controls the sea lanes? So traditionally control behind the reserve currency came from control of the sea lanes, but then as we've moved into space, it's it's now become control of both the sea lanes and the satellite lanes. And the question is who controls what and who has what weapons? One of the reasons you've seen a very interesting discussion in the United States for the last two years is Trump has been 
very verbal about space force and what is possible in space, and he'll make these allusions to our magical weapons in space, at which point the generals look at him very disapproving, like, don't talk about that. So the answer is, we don't know. We don't know. What we do know is part of the competition right now between China and America is that the player who has the most dominant position in space has the power to control the whole planet. So, so the Chinese have a, um, a system called the social credit system, and they're very much tying their financial transactions and different abilities to travel and do other things to your behavior. And, um, uh, you know, we've seen different TV shows talk about these kinds of systems. But you're talking about a world where, and we see it in China, where... Um, most people are under 24-7 surveillance and then their financial incentives and their financial powers relate to how well behaved they are. And I would describe it essentially as a, as a slavery system because there's no personal freedom. So to a certain extent, what technocracy will do is move us to a similar kind of system as the Chinese social credit system. Where if you misbehave you can be punished right so so you know you so so in theory you have to get a certain kind of job to make a certain kind of money uh in the current system in the new system you have to uh work for a certain kind of company and achieve a certain kind of prominence to be allowed to to move more than 10 miles from your home or to be allowed to fly so there'll be a pecking order that relates to your freedoms to either travel or roam um, or how much sort of access you have to resources, so how much money you can make. But remember, you're, you're going into a system where if they believe they can automate everything with robotic software and AI, it's going to be that much harder for you to share in the benefits and the wealth of the system because the, the central group can extract so much more. In other words, they have a one-way mirror. They can see everything you do. You can't even see who they are. Yeah. Okay. What's very important to understand about what is happening is that the majority of people have been... If, if we're talking about a transhumanist system or, you know, in short, a slavery system. Most of us have been supporting it and financing it and building it. So when I look at all the big pharma executives, why are they building a system where their own children or grandchildren will be slaves? Why are the central banks doing it? Why did they think, you know, there's a theory in America for many years among the sort of money classes that if I make enough money, I can get a waiver, I can get out of it. I can eat organic food, not eat the GMOs, and my grandkids, you know, won't have to take vaccines. But if you look at who's implementing all these different activities, you know, we're building our own slavery system, and that means we have the power to stop. In other words, we don't have to finance the companies that are doing this. We don't have to work for the companies that are doing this. And in fact, we don't even have to pay our taxes because the government 
is breaking all the laws related to financial management. We have the ability to hold them accountable. So we're building the prison and we're financing the prison and that gives us the power to stop. And that's why it's so important that we see where the system is going. There will be no exceptions. So what is the solution? Solution is number one, bring transparency to what's happening, understand where the system is going, and then stop building it. You know, if, if you work for Big Pharma and you're building this, stop. You know, go find something else to do, like build local fresh food systems so you will have food. Um, you know, so stop financing it. Um, begin the conversation of where this is going and, more importantly, where we want to go. Because we're going to have to rebuild the economy bottom-up if we don't want to be highly centralized. So this comes down to, you know, I call it coming clean. Once upon a time, I was in Washington. I was writing a check on my J.P. Morgan Chase private banking account. And in the meantime, I was engaged in 12 different tracks of litigation, litigating with the people who were trying to engineer the housing bubble. I was trying to stop the housing bubble from happening. And I was writing a check on my J.P. Morgan Chase personal banking account. I realized, why am I banking at the bank that's doing this criminality, that's destroying communities, that's doing predatory lending? And I said, you know, I need to come clean. I need to stop banking there. So, you know, if tomorrow everybody woke up in America and stopped banking at J.P. Morgan Chase and said, you know something, y'all are criminals, we want nothing to do with you. Come on. We're out. And went to a local credit union or community bank. It would be a revolution. It would. It would. All right, we're running out of time here. Just real quickly. Romans 11.9, And David says, Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Whatever happens tomorrow, that agenda is going forward, folks, unless the people put a stop to it. And you have to do it with the law. This is why I read the Constitution over the electoral votes. This is why we constantly go back to the Constitution. This is why we go back to the Bible. That's your weapon. (laughs) That's your weapon right there. But you're going to have to stop funding the prison that's being built, as Ms. Fitz said. You're going to have to stop supporting those who are being, you know, marionetted along with their by their puppet masters. You're going to have to stop supporting those guys. That's the thing. Keep your eyes on for tomorrow and take your stand in these states. Those state representatives are far more important than anybody in DC. Believe you me, make them hear your voice. 23 hours rotten right to the core Wednesday with Lynn Taylor. See you then. Adios.